0: Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat we'll be learning Daf Ayn and Masachas Subos. We're not going to have a lot of time for iyuns. See what I did there, Andrew? Because we uh, fell helplessly behind in your absence. Please don't do that again, okay? I know you were very uh, happy that you were able to do business and pleasure and go for Simchas. You should only go for Simchas, but don't go. So, where do we leave off? It's a long way of saying it's a big excuse that we are at the Mishnah, the last Mishnah on the sixth parak of Masachas Subos. And that Mishnah is, like, one-third down on Samech Tes Amad And it goes like this. So what's happening in this Mishnah? Uh, a man says, with regards to his daughter, that I want her, in the event that I die, let's say, I want to establish a trustee for her dowry. In other words, I'm not putting the dowry, and, and we'll see, good morning, Barry. I, we'll see if this is, you know, because she's young, because... Um, he doesn't trust who the chassan is going to be, right? He wants somebody responsible, okay, to be the one who's going to go um, watch over this land of the dowry. But he bali alai. But she just says, you know what? I trust my husband. In other words, let's say her father dies. Sure enough, and now she marries this guy who was taking, you know, fish Fisher's course. Uh, he's he's studying for the Alsats. And he's, you know, doing a uh, he's a shiva guy, and and she thinks, you know, she's enamored with him. We're in the Mishnah Barry on Sanachtesam uh, days, so she's enamored with him, and he, and she thinks that uh, he can handle the money. Says the Mishnah, Yase has byado. We listen to the father, as we'll see. This is an application of the idea. The father said so. He then passed away. We are going to listen to the words of the old man, so to speak. Um and we're going to not listen to the daughter. And we're not giving the money to this new Yeshivish Hasan to watch over the dowry, but rather we're going to uh do whatever the father said and allow the trustee to take care of this. That's Divarib Mayor. That's what Mayor said. We'll 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 analyze this further in the Gemara as we do. Uh Rabyosiom um, Rabyosi is cholak and Reb Meir, he says, Vihi enai Lasada Vihiro to lamochra, we also points out the following: that it happens to be that this woman, this kala, has the authority to sell, right? Any field the trustee would buy in her behalf, anyways, and keep the money. So it's really as if the field has been sold already. So, in other words, you could just skip the skip that part and give it straight to her husband. In other words, right? The father says, "Give the money to the trustee uh, on my daughter's behalf." The daughter says, no, just give it to my new husband. So the fact of the matter is, says Reby even if the trustee had bought a field, the daughter does still retain the authority to sell that field, keep the money, and like, let her husband use that money. So it's not really uh, going to help if you follow the trustee. And since she has the authority to do that, you might as well just listen to her right away when she says, give the money to my husband. That's, what, that's his point to Rebe Mayer. Okay, so then the Mishnah concludes, and we'll see is who it's modifying, but the Mishnah says, And we'll see what this Mishnah is trying to say, but um, for simplicity's sake, we'll say all this, right, would only work with a Gedola. In other words, let's say it's modifying this final point of Rabiosi it would make sense to see that, it would make sense to say that the selling off of the field, right, would only be something that the Gedola could do. But if she was still a katana in that case, then that mice would not would not actually be she would not have the authority to do so. And therefore it really would matter whether we listen to um, you know whether we listen to her father. But we'll see in the Gemara exactly how that modifies the Mishnah. So let's continue with the Gemara. Tanoraban. So Hamashlishmos li'kach Likachme and Sodelabito, this is when when he's depositing money with a trustee for the benefit of his son-in-law. So it's actually, like, essentially the case of the Mishnah, right? Um, and he says, "Likach Mahin mehen right? So he's giving it, um, as you'll see, right, again, to the trustee. And he says, and why does it say Lakhasna? Because that's the husband's obviously going to benefit from this dowry as well, but that money is going to be to give the sadelibita. Fine. He says, forget about my trustee deciding which land to buy for us, let my husband decide, right? You marry Neslubali, give the money to my husband, he'll buy the field. So Minhar nisuin harishis beyada. So if they're already, right, had the stage of nisuin and they're living together, this hasan kala, so then she has the authority to overrule her father at that point and to give the money to her husband against her father's wishes and instead of the trustee, give the money to her husband in order to buy the field. However, if they're at the earlier stage, the chassan kala, of Eresen prior to Nisuin, so still the, the um, decision is under the jurisdiction, so to speak, of the father. And therefore the shlish is going to be the one that's going to decide. the Rebbe Meir. Okay, so Reb Meir sounds like, according to him, the difference is whether their Nisuin um, or had already taken place or whether it's Eresen. However, that if she's a Gadola already, then it wouldn't matter whether she, it's Nisuin or Erisin. At whichever stage it is, she has the authority to move the money away from whatever her father trustee said and to give it to her husband. And right? Katana, whereas if she's still a Katana, then regardless of whether she'd already had Nisuin, right? Uh, even if she went to that later stage, uh, if since she's still a katana, we are only going to go based on what the right, what the trustee does. Okay, so basically to summarize, this price of mayor would say that the difference is whether uh, she's already reached nisuin, and that's when she has rishus be where, where the daughter gets the authority. Once she has nisuin, it sounds like even if she's still a katana, according to mayor, but we'll see. Well, within Robert that he would also agree with Ribiosi that she that she, this is not referring to Katana. So what's going to end up being is that Reb is going to require her to be a Godola and to have already had Nisuin. That's what's going to end up being. Whereas, whereas Ribiosi, um just sounds like he just, well, says explicitly that he just requires her to be a Gadola, right? In other words, Ribiosi says that even if she's still at the stage of Arison, then she is already going to have the authority once she's a godola. Whereas Reb Mayer, when he makes a distinction between Nisuin and, uh, and, and, um, and Arison, he only does so within the godola. And so what it's going to end up coming out, and we'll say this all in the Gemara, but I'm just giving you a heads up because this can be confusing. So in order to just um, to clarify it for you, according to Reb that all she needs to be is a godola, and it wouldn't matter what stage of Nisuin or Erisin she is. She has the authority to overrule her father's wishes once she's already of age. And according to Rebbe Mayor, that's not enough. According to her mayor, she has to be of age and also has to have reached the state of Erisin. So if she's of age, and of Nisuin rather. So if she's of age and yet, not yet received uh, this stage, not yet reached the stage of Nisuin, then according to Rebbe Mayer, she would actually still have to defer to the trustee. So the, the Gemara is going to now spell that out, um, maybe better than I did, so so here you go. My Mai Beinayu. In other words, what's the makhlukas between Rebbe Meir and Rebbe What will be the case? So we already know what the case is going to be. The case is going to be a gedola that had only achieved Erison, where Rebbe Mayer is going to say that it's not yet in her authority, it's still in the authority of the trustee, and Rabbi Yossi would say that it's already, since she's a gadola, gonna be in her authority. But let's see. Eli Ma'katana Me'na Nisuin, if you're gonna say that the case is Katana Me'na Nisuin, right? So you might've thought that, right? She, once she reaches the state of Nisuin, the Rabbi suffer her Shus In other words, if you're gonna misunderstand the B'raisa to think that when Rabbi Meir says that the only distinction is Erison versus Nisuin, and therefore, even if she's a Katana, once she's reached the state of Nisuin, she already has the authority. Right. Also Rybiyosi Lemay Nami Gadola in Katani Lo. And therefore the the Machlokis would be the mayor says that as a katana, just because she reached Nasun, she could already have the authority. And Ribyosi says no, because she has not yet been a Gadola, uh, then she does not yet have the authority. Then that doesn't necessarily compute because aima sefa, because the seifa of Mishnah says Avalba Katana ein Maisa Katana Klum. Right, Our Mishnah, so now we're going to use our Mishnah to interpret the Brisa. And we're going to take this last clause that we said in our Mishnah, and we're going to say aval bikatana, katana ein katana klum. Right, That's the last line of our Mishnah. So when our Mishnah says that ein maise katana klum, that's very instructive. That means very plainly, actually, as confusing as this may sound, it's actually very clear. It means that a minor, really doesn't have any authority over how she's going to appropriate this land. So forget about it, Larry. Forget about her. I, I don't care if she's an heiress or any soon. A katana, says our Mishnah, is never going to have the authority. And That makes sense to us, right? Why would a, why would a 10-year-old be able to overrule her father's authority with regards to whether a trustee Right, just because she's married doesn't make her any more right qualified to make this this financial decision. So, our mission is teaching us that a katana ain't my katana kalum. So how my la. So therefore, if that's true, um, what was our mission trying to teach us by saying that a katana never has it? Must be right that even when she's married, she still doesn't have the authority. Even when she has any eshuin. It can't be that our mission is trying to teach within Rabiosi, because we already know from Rabiosi that a katana doesn't have the authority. Uh, so our Gemara is being um, being funny here. It's not very funny, but our Gemara is being clever, I should say. It's using, we, we already kind of know like, that, that Rabiosi knows that, that the authority. Katana doesn't have authority. But our Gemara is going to get lumdish, so to speak, and verify that that's what Rubiosi hold by using, reading into his words. Because in our very Mishnah, he says, remember he said that the fact of the matter is, why are we putting the money in the hands of the trustee? After all, the Kala has the authority to sell the land. Well, guess what, says the Gemara. She only has that authority when she's a Gedola. Mechira is something that never happens with a Katana. So that's what our Gemara is about to say right here, as follows. Right? Remember, in our very Mishnah, Rabbi Yossi argued with Rabbi Meir by saying that after all, the girl has the authority to sell the field. Well, in other words, if she were to sell it, it would be as if she, if she sold it and it would be valid, and therefore, why are, we, why are we not just simply giving her the authority? Well, says the Gemara, Gadola de in, Kitana de lav lo, that this clause in our Mishnah of the Rabbi Yossi, this point that Rabbi Yossi makes, only applies to Gadola because a Gadola has the authority to sell a field but a katana does not and therefore when rabiosi was making a statement he was only talking about a gadola and therefore certainly we're not assuming that that we're talking about the potential that a katana would have sold the field Ella, rabbi mayor here so therefore when we're saying that the katana ain't my say that it has to be modifying rabbi mayor ah so now we're gonna to need to finally interpret the Mishnah the way, the way that I explained it previously, which is the following. Rabbi that this idea that Ainla Katana Klum is actually modifying and explaining Rabbi Meir, because it's obvious within Rabbi Yossi, as we often say, the Mishnah is a little bit hiding the ball, it's not telling you everything, and this is how it would sound if it was telling you actually everything, as follows. Yasa that in the case where the girl kind of tries to override her father's wishes and allow her husband to sell the field, then we still listen to the husband, according to Rabbi Meir. But, when are we saying that? Mina When she's Mina Erison. Of Nisun, when she's married, that, that part, our mission already said, that Rabbi Meir makes a distinction between Erison and Nisun. However, this is the part that was missing. When are we talking about a girl being having the authority to, to reappropriate the field is after Nisuin and only Begadola. Only once she's already, right, an adult, so to speak. And therefore that's what our Mishnah is explaining. And that's what that last clause is, that even within Rabbi Meir, who says that she has to be Nisuin, she has to have Nisuin and be a Godola. So then it turns out what we said before. According to Rabbi Meir, she has to have Nisuin and be a Godola. According to Rabbi Yossi, she only has to be a Godola for the reason that he said. And even if she's only in the earlier stage of Harrison, she still has the authority, once she's a gadola to reappropriate the field. And so therefore our Gemara concludes by saying, Ela mina erasin ika beinayu. That's the case. The case where they're arguing is that a gadola mina erison, that Rabbi Yossi would say once she's a gadola, then even if she's only had erasin since she's a gadola, she already can misappropriate or uh, reappropriate the field against her father's wishes. Whereas Rabbi Meir would say that no, that even though she's a godola, despite the fact that she had already heirs and she still does not have the authority, she would have to wait till Nisuin and therefore have the double uh, power of a gadola that's already in sua if she wants to go against her deceased father's wishes. Fine. So now the Gemara said, Itmar, who do we follow like? La'alacha, or Rabbi said, Kerebi, that all she has to do is be a gadola. and Rav Amar of Nachman, ha'alacha, Kerebi, mayor. So we had a Mechlokas, who we hold like, very good. Now, six lines up from the bottom on. Tzamech Tessah Beis. Ilfa. Oh, boy. You guys remember Tainus Khafalef? Ilfa? Ilfa is... Rashi goes to the story. Ilfa was the... Some people don't remember Ilfa. That's the whole Muser shmooze in the yeshiva is about Ilfa. If you don't remember Ilfa, so then stay in yeshiva. What do you mean? Because Ilfa and Rabbi Yochanan were like Chavrusas. Ilfa was considered... You know, in Hebrew, the uh, word for a champion is aluf. Aluf is a champion. So they said, wow, Ata you're really the, the greatest of them all. Um, you're the champion of the world. Well, Ilfa it was the best guy in yeshiva. And his chavrusah was Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan ended up being the greatest Gandalador in Eretz Yisrael at the time. Ilfa went to do business, Barry. He went to business school. Uh-oh. And he went and he was So when he came back, people, he saw that his chavrusah, Rabbi Yochanan, become the Rosh Shiva. And there was a little bit... Um, it was a situation where he tried to prove that he still had the goods, right? Like, he, he's like, really? He's the Rosh Yeshiva? Sometimes you see the smartest guys uh, that were in Yeshiva with you. They're not necessarily the Rosh Yeshiva. And you say, that guy became the Rosh Yeshiva? And they, and they, I, I my, my father-in-law, Oliver Shalom, was a transcendent Tamar Chacham. And he was of the contemporary of some of the people who are Rosh Yeshiva today. And he was like, you know, it was the simpler times and smaller, sort of like, they were all together, all these people in the 50s in Yeshiva. So they all knew each other. So uh, he would say, well, this one, the ones who became Rosh that he knew were the Masmidim. They were not, not all of them, many of them were the brilliant ones and the Masmidim. But the ones that weren't brilliant, if you had only one of them, the ones that became a yeshiva were the masmidim. So this was Ilfa's fate, right? He came back to see, only to find out Rabbi Yochanan and his chavrus had become a yeshiva and Ilfa had been considered the best guy in the shir. So what do you do? Says the Gemara, the story, Ilfa tala Nafshebi, iskari de machusa. So it's appropriate because he went out and like he was doing commerce, he was doing a lot of travel for business. So he's balancing himself on the mast of his sail. Talia Nafshebi, bi'iskaria de machusa which is basically, he's doing like sort of a demonstration out of saying, I'm going to sink myself right now to prove how much Torah he knows and how erudite and sharp he was. I'm going to sink myself right now if you can't, if if I can't prove the following. Amar like this. He's bouncing on the mast of a sail and Amar, and he says, If there's anyone who could come and tell me something stated in the Brisa, of and Reboshia. are and really the ones that were collating the Bryces. Okay? And I can't derive it from a Mishnah. We saw this in Tainas Tavchafalor. In other words, tell me any Vart. Now, Rebchia and the Brices we know, these were Tanaic teachings that were flying all over the place and unedited, right? The Mishnahis is the final, as we already said yesterday, it was sort of like the final product as they're, committing that which was supposed to be Balpeh into writing the Mishnah is the final product that all the rabbis basically had signed off on. Rebchiyah and Raboshia was like that intermediate stage. It was like the most refined, edited Bryces. But they were still not attributed necessarily to their or to, the, to their source. And so what Ilfa was saying was, I could tell you the source of every Tanaik teaching that has the authority and the stamp of approval of Rabbi and Reboshiyah. Incredible. Okay. So that means he basically knows Kolatura Kulabari. He knows all of Shabalpe over here. Velo Pashtina, right? So and I'll tell you what the source is for all of it. Okay? And if I can't do it, Nefila of I'm gonna jump and drown myself from this mast. In other words, right, he's making uh, he's making a show out of this. Okay, so he's saying, I, I can tell you everything. So Asahu Sava Tanale. So certain so old man comes and they're starting to test him. And he says the following bresa shekel I believe this is the same case we said in, in, in Tainus. So he says, a person says to the trustee, give a shekel to my sons each week. In other words, when I pass away, I want my kids to have a shekel per week allowance. But he has enough money in the estate, let's say when he does pass away, there's enough money to give them two shekel a week. So, so that's what we give them. In other words, just because then this is going to end up being how, much, how uh, precise are we with the words of the dying man, right? He clearly said to give them a, a shekel. So what are you going to do? Are you going to give, as a trustee, are you going to give them a shekel? Or if you can afford to give them more, do you give them more? So the answer is you give them more because, again, even though we listen to the words of the dead man, we also have to sort of like figure out what his intentions were. So we assume that his intentions were that if there's more, give them more. However, but if he said, specifically, only give them a shekel, no a shekel. so then that's more explicit. And therefore, we don't assume that he would give them more if he had more. We say, give them just the shekel that he asked. Okay. Now, and if he has an unusual thing, he says, um, you know, he's really crossing all his T's and dotting all his I's. He says in the unfortunate event, let's say, his own children, that he's bequeathing this allowance to, die. As Rashi says with two words, below banim, that happens to be a very controversial l- l- halakha and shvara, uh position, but we'll take it because it's simple and we need to move on. So what R- Rashi is basically saying is if that the, the father is saying that if my sons die without their own yorshim and therefore there's no natural succession to their estate, to their inheritance— then he, what he's doing is he's actually appointing a third party inheritor, right? He's saying, don't just like give it back, you know, in a uh, in one of these, um, re, um, uh, you know, in these bank uh, reappropriation sales or whatever. Don't don't just like give the money away. He's dotting all his eyes and crossing his t's, and he's saying, if my sons die without their own yorshim, so then I'll designate it that the money should go to the Schwartz family, okay, and they should get the money, okay. So he's designated a third party in the event of his own kids dying. So if he says that, says the, uh, the Bain Shamar Tnu, Shamar Ain Ella Shekel. So now a fascinating thing. Whether he used the first language of Tnu Shekel, where normally we would give him more, or whether he used the more, right, reduced language of Altitnu Ella Shekel, where we would give him a Shekel. Either way, we're only going to give his own children a Shekel's worth. And the reason being because any, it's a zero-sum game, Barry, any money that we would be giving extra to his children, we're, in essence, taking away from the Schwartzes should his children die, right? And therefore, we don't have the authority to do so. We don't have the authority to give his children extra just because we can afford it, because any extra that we're giving for his children, the next potential Yershon would be losing out, and therefore, for that reason, if he singles out uh, third-party subsequent right, um, inheritor, so then we only give it to, uh, we only give his children a shekel per week. Okay, so Amarleh, so he said, so now, that was the question they asked Ilfa, and they wanted to ask Ilfa, who is the author of this brysa? So Amarleh, Amarleh, Hamani. So, right, they said to him, said the Sabbath to him, who's the author of the brysa? As we arrive at Einem off as a totally manageable time Andrew, 5.58 a.m., Rabbi Meirhi. He said that it's Rabbi Meir. The Amar mitzvah lekayim de Meis, because after all, Rabbi Meir right, both he, in our Mishnah. What did Meir say that we listen to him instead of his daughter? So, so right, we listen to the to the uh, father instead of the daughter, unless the daughter happens to be both a gadola and suah, Rabbi Meir is going to listen to the father. So too here in the Brisa, right? We don't listen to right. So too here we listen to the father and we don't listen to the Yorshim. In other words, the Yorshim could come and say so-and-so, uh, you know, my father can afford it, why am I only getting a shekel? Right? And yet, we just, all we care about is what is the das of the father? So that's what Ilfa said. Ilfa said that this price is Rabbi Meir. Wow. So Amar of Amar Marukva, he really knew his stuff, Ilfa. Okay, so Amar of Amar Marukva, the law is, the lacha is, ben she'amar t'nu, ben shamar al titnu, no lahem called Wow. So the halacha is, in fact, that we give them all their needs, regardless of right how the language was. Okay. Wait a minute. The Gemara asks, Halakha halacha but didn't we say that the halacha Mayor That doesn't sound like our mayor. May sounded like we do whatever the father said, and we listened to his words, and we're very precise in, in, in sort of deriving from what he said. So didn't we say that mayor that Mitzvah So you have to listen carefully to what he said? It sounds like we're disregarding what he said totally, right? It doesn't matter whether he said it's new or it new, we're just giving them whatever the estate has. So the Gemara said, no, honey It is true that we hold like mayor that mitzvah's lakhaim divra ames, but it's only in other contexts of a But in this context of inheritance, we assume, regardless of what he said, that it is, in fact, the, um, right, the desire of the father to, to provide for his kids' needs based on what he has left in the inheritance. So now we have to answer, why, therefore, did he say, for example, you know, only give them a shekel? It sounds like he's saying that very explicitly. So why, why are we assuming that he wanted to give them more than that if he explicitly said that he didn't want to give them more than that? says the Gemara... The reason he said that the zaruzinhu, it's to teach them a life lesson, right? He really wants what's for their best, as Rashi explains. But sheyichzurachzar you, Ravasanim. that they should. He's he, when he said just give them shekel, he means like give them a moderate amount so that they shouldn't be chazars, right? They shouldn't like start going hog wild and going to Fiji and doing all these crazy things with the inheritance. Give them a moderate inheritance and, like, sort of disperse it slowly. But in reality, that was all he meant. He didn't mean to really limit it if they needed more, if they could afford more, that kind of thing. Okay. And therefore, it's still within Rabbi Meir to say that that we are following the deceased um, wishes. Anyway, okay. Now, now we have, like, that, not Hasim. We have a Mishnah elsewhere. There is a Mishnah that says that young children can actually sell and buy, okay? This is in getin, nun uh, Tess. Okay, they could sell and buy. But that's only when it comes to, right, metatalin things that are movable, not to land. So I'm a raphram, lo That can only be if there is no trustee there, or really administrator. Right, But if there is an administrator kind of following the affairs of these children, so then obviously his authority trumps theirs, and they'd have no authority to sell even metal to lean. How do I know this? So in that Mishnah and, and Gittin, we say, So we see, Andrew, that this clause of actually is used from our very Mishnah to explain a Mishnah and Gittin. How do you like that? And so now you're an expert because you learn our Mishnah and you can understand the Mishnah getting better. That it indicates that really the default is that if there's some adult in charge, they actually have the authority on top of a, right, a child with regards to these financial matters. However, the Gemara says, How can you really use our Mishnah? See, our Mishnah doesn't have an apatropos. Our Mishnah has a shalish. What's the difference? A shalish is a trustee. A trustee is entrusted with like a specific task, right? He, he said, sell this land or keep this land or you're in charge of this land. An administrator is just kind of like you're in charge of their affairs, okay? Now, an administrator has a general role and the trustee's role is more explicit. So therefore, in our Mishnah, where there is a trustee, uh, maybe the reason why the, the katana has no authority is because of the fact that she obviously would be, uh, right, overriding her father's authority. In other words, her father, the trustee in that case, is a representation of her father's authority. That's why she can't do it. But maybe if there's just a general administrator, since she's the rightful heir, she can override the general administrator, says the Gemara, The Gemara answers, if what our missioner wanted to say was that it is the authority of the trustee that is that is so powerful, as opposed to an administrator, which is a little bit less powerful, then our mission would have said so. Our mission would have said that with, when it comes to katana, the trustee, we listen to the trustee, but that's not what our mission has said. Our mission said the Lashon, Ain ma'isit katana klum. Therefore, the Gemara says, my Ain ma'isit katana klum. What does our mission mean to say when it says the ain't katana klum? means, shmami no, filo That even if it weren't like a trustee entrusted with a very specific task, but just a general administrator entrusted with the task, as long as there's some adult on board, it is the adult that trumps the mice of the katana, and therefore saisha, that it is with that sentiment and halacha that we conclude. The sixth parak of of Masekas and now we start chapter seven. Says the Mishnah in the seventh parak of Masekhas Khubus. Um, yeah. We already kind of alluded to this case. This is not I don't think I you know who for who am I to say? Everyone's relationship is different. This doesn't sound like a healthy marriage to me, Andrew. Uh, right away, the, the husband is saying um, his wife can't have benefit from him for 30 days. So what do you do? You have these obligations to support her. So how does that work? Says the Gemara, uh, says the mission rather, Yamid Parnas. Yeah, so he has to set up a Parnas, right? Somebody who's going to support her. So you might ask, wait a minute. This is all the Gemaras is going to ask all these questions. What do you mean? If, if partner is supporting her, so how is that not a violation of his nether? <laughs> and furthermore, what's the 30 days? Like, why can't, if, if, if he's going to support her, then maybe he should just support her indefinitely. So that's all going to be the topic of the Gemara. But Yosemite Khan, okay, if, and, and as we'll see here, that if the nether, the vow was that it going to be more than 30 days, then Yotsuvi But That already, you can't do that. That's not a marriage, Andrew. You can't have a relationship where he's saying, um, I'm not going to support you ever, and here's a guy that's going to support you. And therefore, you have to give a ksuba. Rabbi rather, however, it says Omer. Uh, right. In the case of a non coin okay, then uh, you could uh, up to a month you could keep up this weird relationship with the where the where uh, where the, where the, uh, par- where the uh, Parnas is supporting her. Um, once if the once it exceeds and extends to two months, you have to give her a ksuba. However, but coin Vishnayim you can actually extend it to two months. We'll see in the Gemara. I think more even tomorrow. Why that would be? And but for three months, right? If once extends that far, then he has to give her a ksuba. Fine. That's case number one. Case number two. Again, unhealthy relationship, Barry. I don't know what's going on. He says his wife can't have a certain type of fruit. I am never allowing it to have nectarines. So yotzi v'is ksuba. He has to give her a ksuba. The Gemara will explain why, but like, there's something here about forever and ever. Like, you know, what kind of, kind of uh, mishagasa is this? Okay. So, Rabbi Huda is saying that in a non kohen, even for one day, if he's saying no nectarines whatsoever, then uh, it's okay. But two days, then it's already not okay. Two days of no nectarines, she can demand the ksuba. What in the world does a, the fact that he's a coin have to do with two days of nectarines versus three? The Gemara will discuss, but uh, just to read what the mission says, that in a coin, if two days of nectarines is still okay, shalosha three days is a bridge too far to cross, uh, three days of nectarines, she could demand her and get out of there. Okay. Next case. He says, you cannot have any Estee Lauder perfumes. Not under my watch. Yoitzivis in Ksuba? No way. He's not allowed to do that. And and she can demand the ksuba. Omer, be on See, if they're poor women who don't typically have access to perfumes, right, if he didn't give a certain amount of indefinite or certainly long time, that might be still okay, says Reby Yossi. Because after all, they don't really perfume in those days too often. So he says, you can't have Estee Lauder for like three years. All right, like she wasn't going to have Estee Lauder for three years anyways. However, Vashira Shloshim Yom. But, you know, again, this is obviously going to be culturally uh, dependent, but those who were wealthy in those days, so like maybe they would perfume every 30 months if you say no Estee Lauder for uh, 30 days rather. So if you say no Estee Lauder for 30 days, that would be okay because she could wait 30 days anyways in those cultures. Anyways, that would be therefore the um, the limits. So now as we continue with the Gemara, says the Gemara, <speaking in Hebrew> That's a good question. Since the husband, our cases where the husband is saying, my wife can't have a Noah for me, and therefore I can't support her. But wait a minute. The Torah says, and we all said, and we're learning Maseches Ksubus, where he's obligating himself to support her. So since he's right, he's obligated to support her, how is he allowed to make such a nether? Why is this nether, this nether should be, we should just to throw him out of here. Get out of here, you nether. You, you go support your wife," says the Gemara. "Right? It asked, is it within his power to to abrogate? To, right? To uh, abrogate this this uh, this power that she has, where he has to be meshabed her? So, not. After all, we learned the Mishnah in the Dar and Hey. Let's say if the tables were turned, the woman said to her husband, right? I'm not going to work. I'm not working for you. Uh, as we've already discussed, the husband has obligations to the wife, the wife has obligations to the husband. So if she says, I'm not going to do your bidding, so that's a nether that she's making, right? She's konam, right? The lashon, ah, daf coincidence, we're almost at Hataras Nadarn. And we use all those lashon, right, Called Okay, so konam is a, is a lashon nether. So she's making a nether that she's not going to do his bidding. He doesn't have to be made for that netter. As we know, Bal has the power to be made for his wife's netter. He doesn't have to be made for because that netter is nonsensical and we just toss it out, right? Okay. So Alma, the apparently we see that this, that since she, right? If the tables were turned, she, since she has uh, obligation to him, therefore, she does not have the power to get rid of that obligation with a vow. Right? In other words, this is something that's part of the arrangement, Barry. She has obligations to him, he has obligations to her. So if she makes a nether, I don't have uh, any obligations to you, we don't listen to that nether. Because she has that obligation, that's a pre-existing condition, and that nether is gonna to be tossed out because of her pre-existing obligation. So says the Gemara, came the la, Buddha. since he has a pre-existing obligation to her, right, then it's not within his power either. So how does our Mishnah allow him, right, to say, I'm not going to support you, albeit with, I'm going to set someone else up to support you. But how does he, how could he get rid of that obligation is the question. So our answer is, that we do know that a husband has the powers we've already seen to tell his wife that, you know what, I'm not going to support you, but whatever work you do, you get to keep your own money. As we turn to Ayin on Says the Gemara, but since he has the authority to do that, Say it's over here, right, when he's saying, as Rashi says in the top of Aynom and Baids, in other words, even though he didn't explicitly said so, it's implied when he says, I'm not going to support you, it's as if he said, let pay for your own way. And uh, you get to keep your own money. And since we already have learned, Barry, that he's allowed to do that, so therefore, that must be what he means when he says, I'm not going to support you. However, the Gemara says, Yeah, but if what Ravuna Rav says, then that premise is not going to work. What do you say? If you might recall, we've already learned this. Ravuna, recently, Ravuna said in the name of Rav that a woman can. To turn around and tell her husband, you know what, I don't want your stinking money, I'm going to keep my own income, right? And you keep your sandwich, I don't need your support. Okay? However, when a woman says, I'm gonna earn, right? Uh, so now we have a problem, right? Why is it in the Durham that we say that, that if a woman says, I'm not gonna do your bidding, that that nether doesn't work. Why is it that the husband does not have to right, um, uh, negate that nether because of the fact that it's already self-negating because it's a non- nonsensical nether? In other words, these this is a contradiction. On one hand, the woman is allowed to say that I can keep my own money, right? And I don't want your support. But on the other hand, if she says, I don't, I'm not going to do your bidding, we don't allow her to, to say that. So, we have the same, the point is that we have the same contradiction by a woman as we have by a man, right? In other words, by a man, we're willing to say that he, that he says, I'm not gonna support you, but you keep your own money. And by a woman, we, we, we say the same, and yet, by a woman, it's a stira with the Nadarim. So, what's going on? So, it says the Gemara, right? So, now the Gemara is, spelling out the question that I was just describing, which is as follows. Let us say, in the case of the woman, that since she can say, right, I don't want your support and I'm not going to do your bidding. So it should be, when she makes the neder, we should be implying that when she says, I'm not going to do your bidding, it's as if she's saying, "Right, that she's allowed to do, she's allowed to say. So again, just for review. The man, we already said, can always say, Don't, you know what, I don't want your money, and you keep your own earnings. And the woman is allowed to say, I don't want to give you my earnings, and you keep your own money, and and don't support me. That, Halakha, we've already said that they're entitled to do. And yet, with the man, we're saying that when he says, right, I don't want to support you, that what he means to say is what he's allowed to say. And what he means to say is that he's, that is that, right, that you get to keep your earnings, However, with the woman, we're saying that if she makes the nether, we don't assume that she implies the allowed thing, but rather we say that that nether doesn't count. So, why does the nether count with the man, where we assume that he implied what he's allowed to say, and with the woman, who has the same halacha, right? It's a double standard. When she makes a nether, we just throw her out of there. Why so? So the Gemara says, right? Don't say that it's as if he had said. So the Gemara is just going to explain. The reason why we, uh, we allow this neder of the man is because, not because we assume. So now we're retracting. We're not saying that it's because we assume that he said that you keep your money. But Omer Latsi'i may say that when was In other words, he actually did it. He had already actually said that keep your money. Oh, so once he's already said that, so now his neder is consistent with that. So says the Gemara, Wait a minute. So if he already said keep your money and I don't want your, and I don't want your support... So then why is he put giving why is he supporting her with a partner in our Mishnah? Why is he right um, putting somebody in charge of supporting her if she already has her own earnings says the Gemara. but lost Yeah because her earnings are not sufficient. So he's just putting somebody in charge of making sure she has enough on top of whatever her own earnings would be. So the Gemara says well Yeah, but if her earnings are not sufficient, so now we're starting back to the original question. How can the husband make a nether right to to prohibit his wife for, to, from hana no, from him, when after all, he's obligated to make sure that that she has enough. Meaning he, right, in other words, he can say, it's true that he could say, keep your own earnings and I'm not gonna support you, but guess what? That's only if her earnings is enough he, on top of that, that doesn't absolve him. He can't just, like, turn away from her. He has to still make sure that she has enough from her own earnings. And therefore, the Gemara, uh, that we are back to square one. So, Vashi, Maybe our case is when she has all the basics, Andrew. But she doesn't have, you know, those little chachkis, the, the creature comforts. So, says the Gemara, Well, what creature comforts are you talking about? Honey, Dvarm Katani, Hechi Either right? It would depend. So let's say the creature conference is right. He's making sure that she has bagels and cream cheese, and she's used to lox. Okay, so he's giving her the bagels and cream cheese, but not the lox. So he says here, irregila bahu. If she's used to having the cream cheese with lox every week. So, regila So, that's her custom. He's responsible to uphold that standard of living. Belo she never has locks. Parnas So, then you don't have to set anybody up for a lock. So, it, so even the devarim katanim, Andrew, you have to maintain her standard of living. So, whatever her standard of living is, basically the katanim become devarim gadolim. If it's really frivolous, he has no responsibility to give it to her. And if it's something that's part of her culture, so it's not frivolous at all, and he's responsible to give it to her. So, what's the devarim katanim? Says the Gemara. Right? Yeah. Huh. Uh, we've seen the aspects of this before. That, so long as they're married, and they have like a real marriage, Andrew, and they're like kind of living together under one roof. So, so when they're living in the same house, she literally rolls with the punches, right? She's rolling with him. Meaning, right? So long as she's living in his house, and so he's a simple man with simple needs, they already had bagels and cream cheese, right? The until now, right, you hadn't made this vow that was, like, created a distance, right? Obviously, this is an unhealthy marriage, right? He doesn't want to have any hana. No. So, so long as I was living with you and what's mine is yours and yours is mine, I was ready to roll with this whole bagels and cream cheese and no locks lifestyle of yours because I figured we had, like, a marriage, right? But But now you're saying no. You can't have any Hannah for me and they're estranged and they're separated and living in separate homes, So, I don't want to roll with this low-life bagel and cream cheese um, substandard life. If I'm going to be living in my own apartment in Manhattan while you're, you know, in your own apartment in D.C., I'm going to expect my own standards of locks. And therefore, it is in that case that that we say it's Dvarim Katanim that he's responsible to make sure that she gets. Because they're kind of estranged and he's already being mother or not, so therefore, that's the case. So, now, if that's the case... Why is the Parnas only valid at Shloshim Yom? Says the Gemara, at Shloshim Yom lo shami inchi. Yeah, she's willing to have this uh, arrangement of like, oh, you know, which has to explain to her friends, we're separated temporarily, blah, 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 for 30 days. However, it's not, you know, embarrassing because it's very temporary. It's 30 days. My husband needs to take care of something, Whatever. But after 30 days already, as much as she is being supported, it's humiliating and she doesn't want to have to... What's she going to explain to her friends when they go out for brunch for avocado toast? She doesn't want to have to talk about why she's not uh, with her husband for more than 30 days. That arrangement can only last so long. How long? 30 days. Fine. So we say... So, Ibais ema. So, now the Gemara is going to have a possible different explanation as opposed to these Kitanim, these, uh, uh, and, as to what our mission said as follows. Maybe the whole idea was when he made this vow, right, when he made this Neder that she can not benefit from him, she did so when she, when they were in Erisim. This is what you call a bad engagement. Arua but the question is, wait a minute, they're still only engaged, so to speak, right? She doesn't even have to support her yet. So why is he already saying that he's not gonna support her at this engage? She doesn't have that obligation. So the she gives Ah harken back to Ksuba stuff Base, right? Really the mission and design, but you know what I mean. That the whole idea is that it was a twelve month past the air where you already it's at the point where he does have to support her. So, wait a minute, it's not, because we already learned in that Mishnah in Zion and we already alluded to in Dav Bez. Remember that he does have to support her after 12 months. We ended up saying we don't paskin like that, but you know what I mean. So, what's 30 days in, over here within that post-12 month period? It's a whole different explanation. It's not because of the embarrassment thing because she's only in Arusa. So, there's nothing to be embarrassed of yet, right, because they're not even married yet. However, it's just you can't find these support guys to have more than a 30-day pack. They only give a 30-day package, right? Nobody signs up. You can't sign up for the, you know, year-long package where a guy is going to support it. That's the most that a Parnas is going to do his bidding anyway, okay? Or, V. another possibility, Shihidirik might be that Vinicis, might be that she's already married and therefore he does have an obligation to support her. However, he was already Right, This is one of these guys where you already should see trouble because he's already mowed there that he's not going to support her like a week before the wedding. Uh-oh. What's going on here? Says the Gemara, Niseis hasvara V'Kibla. Wait a minute. If he was already being a jerk during Erosin and then she still married him anyway, so isn't that an implied acceptance of, of relinquishing his support? Says the Gemara, Yeah. I wanted to be a Kala. I dreamt of being a bride all my life. And so I thought I could actually tolerate this dude with his horrible attitude, but now that I'm actually living in it and like the shine is worn off, I can't handle it anymore. And so yeah, maybe at the time she thought it was good, but she's allowed to change her mind. So says the Gemara: Darmin, Do we say that he's allowed to change her mind? Yes, there is a precedent. Gabi Mumin, right? He came in and she has a and he has a, I don't know a sack full of psychotic meds. And she said, no, but he's a really nice guy. I love this guy. He's a really stark guy. I think it's going to be fine. So there we say, no. She could say, you know what? This is a disaster. I can't live with this. And therefore, she is allowed to in a case of a mum. However, but when we say this in, case, in regard to like the standard of living, do we really say with regards to the standard of living that, that she could say, oh, I don't want to have anything to do with this guy? So we say, that, that we can't say. You can't say, oh, I thought we were going to be living the life of riches. Really? The kid had no money. He had no job. Like, you can't, you, you know, at a certain point you have to like actually look with your own eyes and and follow through with um, what you think is actually the lifestyle is going to be. So when it comes to a mum, maybe we're going to let you re, uh, go back on it. But on Mazonas, we don't say that. One of the previous two suggestions is probably the most likely suggestions. Now we're in the two dots. Meaning, right, one of the scenarios that we talked about, whether it was an arison, or, um, or more likely, where it was that, uh, Katanim. So now we're two dots, six lines down in the wide, and we made a little bit of headway, Andrew Baruch Hashem, now that you, we have you as the wind beneath our wings, uh, and we have a minute left, and so maybe this is where we'll pick up tomorrow.